0: magic book club podcast
1: books at christmas they go together very well. I'd say almost as well as kids in Christmas. You've got to be giving books at Christmas, and you've got to be getting them. But don't you find when you open them, you just want to disappear. And you're surrounded by your family, chatting, and you're supposed to be engaging with everyone, or looking after the kids, or taking the dog for a walk. And if you're anything like me, you just want to be left alone with whatever ridiculous tome you've just been bought. So last year, my sister-in-law gave me a copy of Ragnar Jonasson, who's an Icelandic uh, author. Uh, she's written loads of great books like Whiteout, Night Snowblind, Snow Thrillers. Quite quick as well, quite easy to read and she brought me the darkness uh, last Christmas and I was surrounded by loved ones and I just read it I can't believe I got away with this I spent last Christmas day In the afternoon, for at least an hour and a half, two hours, uh, in front of everyone, I just disappeared into this wonderfully haunting, spooky, thrilling book, um, which uh, took me away from myself. Probably not the best day to do it. More of a boxing day activity, I would say. So I got quite seriously told off by my wife later on. Where were you all afternoon? I was reading a book. I was there. I was on the sofa. I was just unavailable. Sometimes you want to put up an out of office sign in front of you while you're reading a book. They are so important. And for a lovely little Christmas treat, we at the Magic Book Club thought we'd find out some of the best books the Magic presenters have read this year. You ever know, they might have some gift-giving tips. Take it away, Lynn Parsons.
0: I love reading, but in 2019, I didn't get to do so as much as I would normally. However, I did revisit an old favourite. A couple of years ago, I read The Thief Lord by Cornelia Funk and absolutely loved it, its descriptions of Venice along the way actually encouraged me to book a trip to Venice because I'd never been before. So I read the book again whilst I was in Venice. It's about two brothers, Prosper and Beau. They're orphans, they're on the run from their cruel aunt and uncle, and they hide in an old disused cinema in Venice. They meet and make friends with lots of other homeless children, and there's this extraordinary character called the Thief Lord as well. I'm not going to give away the total plot for you, but comedy comes courtesy of this great private detective who will make you laugh out loud. He's called Victor Getz and he's got a pet tortoise. Now, he's hired by the uncle and aunt that are a little bit evil. Actually, they're a lot evil, but he's not necessarily on their side. As I say, the descriptions of Venice are totally gorgeous and I dare you to read this book and not then book a trip to Venice. Uh, Thoroughly enjoyed it, didn't want it to end and then when it did, I wanted to buy the film rights but it turns out that someone had already made a film.
2: The best book I've read this year is something called Extraordinary Insects by Anne Sverdrup Tigerson. I hope that's Well, I got the Anne right but... The surname might be a little bit different. It was a gift from my youngest son, and I read it in a weekend. It is so fascinating. It is all about insects, and yes, they are extraordinary. They work quietly but tirelessly. They give us food. They maintain our ecosystems. They heal our wounds, if you like, and they even digest plastic. And they could also provide us with new solutions to the antibiotics crisis, and they can help in disaster zones. And apparently Air Force engineers... Uh, look at them and they, they, they study them and say, how can we make aircraft fly like insects? Charles Darwin said that uh, the brain of an ant was perhaps more marvellous than the brain of man. I didn't really know much about this until I read this book. Weird, wonderful, and they're the ones who run our world. It's uh, insanely fascinating. Not just the visible insects either. And um, they're not pests, they do amazing things to keep the planet in balance. And most insect colonies are run by the female. And they do the most amazing and the most phenomenal work. Now, we don't see it, we don't hear it, but if they weren't with us, we, I don't think we would survive much longer.
3: The best book that I have read this year is so difficult. What a question! Because there's been so many. Uh, I am. It was a real toss up. I think uh, between three, which was Jojo Moyes' The Giver of Stars, uh, Celia Imry's A Nice Cup of Tea, um, but also the brilliant somebody I used to know from Wendy Mitchell. Um, I am going to go through. Oh, I'm going to go through all of them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I love Jojo Moyes and The Giver of Stars. If because I, I kind of knew. Uh, that that if uh, it was anything like any of the other books that Jojo Moyes has written, it would be full of great characters, um, really uh, incredibly dramatic. Um, and and it didn't disappoint at all. A little bit different for Jojo. It was uh, set in a very different time um, about a group of women that she had discovered actually existed. They were a small group of women um, in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, at the just before the civil war in America and um, and so and they had got together to uh, form a, a team of librarians to to take books out to some of the more remote areas of the area that they lived in to, to families who couldn't read uh, to teach them how to read to families that didn't come into town very much and um, this was an actual group of people that she had discovered through an accidental kind of just she just fell upon this story in, in, in a library when she was doing some work um, and they're a fascinating group of women, and uh, you know there was that. So there was there was all sorts of things in there. These incredible characters they're all very different in this small band of women, uh, but also set in a time uh, when uh, obviously being a being a being a woman in an, a rural area was uh, was not great. wasn't great fun at all. There was you know not much to do, not not much hope of bettering yourself, and um, you were all kept. Um, and uh, so for these women, they were pushing geographical boundaries. Um, sociological boundaries but also personal boundaries um, which always appeals to, to me I think um, and it's an incredible, it's an emotional ride, it's dramatic uh, you can imagine that it doesn't particularly go well at times and my favourite bit I think is when uh, the, 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 the lead character is thrown in jail uh, and she's pregnant, and there's a hideous moment that she describes so well. And you know, there aren't many books that move me to tears, uh, but this one particular book, this this real crossroads for her um, about being a sort of a pioneer and doing what she knows is is right, um, and being a mother is so beautifully written and so heartbreaking. Um, and I know that this is going to make I think there's I know this is going to make a wonderful film, but read the book first because uh, Jojo writes so well, and uh, I I loved it. I couldn't. Put Put it down. I'm um, also. I just. I do want to. But I do want to give a nod to Wendy Mitchell and somebody I used to know because this was really quite um, new and different. And uh, Wendy Mitchell uh, was diagnosed with early onset dementia very young. And uh, she has managed to kind of find a, a structure to her life to make it bearable and to make her her brain keep ticking as best as it can. And she's written this book about somebody I used to know, which is a little bit of a, a kind of poem and a, a letter to herself. Um, and she came in to talk to a remarkable woman um, about uh, the the logistical difficulties of writing a book when you can't remember what you did this morning. Your book does go quite a long way to explain, Mm. actually, the reality of the fog that you describe. Mm. And there was one particular um, incident with the shed in the back garden that that wasn't there. Um, And and that was the first time I'd heard that explained. Can you tell me about that?
4: Well... Our eyes see, but our brain doesn't interpret the information correctly. Yeah. And one morning I came down and my shed had disappeared. <laughs> All I could see was the concrete base and bizarrely a carpet tile on the top of the shed on the <laughs> top of the fence where I assumed they'd levered the shed over. <laughs> there had been shed thieves uh, in yeah. the night. Uh, now if I could have panicked. And I could have immediately rung the police. I could have reported yeah. this crime. But I have a 30-minute rule to cope with this. And if I see something that really doesn't seem right... OK. ..I go away and come back after 30 minutes. And if it's still not right, I know that it's probably real. Yeah, but... Obviously, in 30 minutes, I came back and there was my shed,
3: quite happily sat in my garden. It's been one of those books that... um... Not only gave me enormous hope that there is lots of support and there are ways forward through difficult times, but also it's one of those books that we've passed on to so many people because so many people are affected uh, by Alzheimer's and dementia. And it's uh, it's 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 a guidebook, but a really hopeful one. Um, it's really important. And she was she's she is such an incredible woman. It was a real honour to meet her. It was one of those life changing moments. I think when you kind of go yes. There is a way, and it's it's very positive. It was a real honour to meet her.
5: Hey, it's Paul Hayes, and my Magic Book Club podcast Christmas special, the book that I've chosen, is Celia Imry's A Nice Cup of Tea. And there's a couple of reasons why I've chosen this book. I actually used to live two doors down from Celia's sister called Roz, who was a nurse. When I was growing up, when I was quite young, and I was at drama school at the time, and I was always quite interested to hear from Roz what Celia was doing and what projects she was involved in. So I've always been a bit of a Celia fan. And the other reason is that it's set in the south of France, which is a place that I know very well. I've been many, many years. And again, growing up, we used to go quite a lot to a place called Saint Maxime, which is um, sort of opposite Saint Tropez in the bay, and it's absolutely stunning. The whole area. So I loved this book especially because it mentions so many areas, Nice. Antibes, Joanne Lepan, all these places that I know quite well. So it's lovely to actually read a nice story set in the sun. And uh, well, the other things that I love about this book, they include some recipes, some lovely, very typically French recipes. So it starts with pan perdu which is lost bread, French toast, here in the UK. And uh, I particularly like that recipe, actually, because it includes nutmeg, which sounds very nice. So there's recipes scattered throughout the book as well, which I quite like. Celia, in her original book club podcast with M&B, actually said that that was partly just to fill some pages, which I thought was brilliant. What
3: was the thinking behind the recipes? Was that just a... a I mean, in a way,
0: because the French, and they love their food. Yes. I mean, the, 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 the... importance of the lunch 12 to 2 you must Mm. have lunch 12 to 2 and they care very much about everything the presentation and everything so it's so much a part of their life um but it was also a very good way of using up a page or two (laughs) i have to tell you that (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm going to try every one of them. I haven't made all of them myself.
5: So five characters in this book that have appeared in two previous books. I haven't read those, actually. I must get around to that. Teresa, Carol, Sally, William and Benjamin. And they're a tightly knit gang of expats living on the Côte d'Azur. And in this book, they're running a restaurant together. But as you can imagine, there's trouble in paradise. The restaurant isn't going too well. But they do have some treasure that was left behind that was still in the restaurant that they were hoping to make a fortune out of. And, well, that didn't work out. And uh, things certainly get interesting after that and don't necessarily go to plan. I recommend the book if you get a chance, lovely warmth coming through, it really does make you feel like you're there in the south of France and for me bringing back some lovely memories of all those places and the turquoise sea, it's a lovely warm read.
6: This is Hannah Cox, and the best book that I have read this year has to be Sweet Sorrow, written by David Nichols. I'm a big fan of his, and I've read all of his other books, Starter for Ten, Us, One Day, and The Understudy. So when I saw he had a new book out, I had to rush out and buy it, and I couldn't really put it down. The story involves the relationship of Charlie and Fran, who you get to know really well. And uh, these two characters uh, meet each other and uh, develop their friendship and relationship within the context of an amateur dramatics group that they're both members of and it took me right back to the days when I was in a drama group which was my favourite thing ever at school the subjects I loved most at school were drama, dance, music and art so it was great to reminisce about the long, long process and all the ups and downs you have of rehearsals but told in such a funny way and how things don't always go to plan it really is an uplifting story of young love and uh, so nostalgic. And I really enjoyed it. Another one of the best books that I have read recently is Ruby Wax, How To Be Human. I had already read one of her other books, Sane New World, and I have always loved Ruby Wax. I grew up watching her on TV and she's just so funny. Never failed to lift my spirits. Now, in 2015, she was awarded an OBE for her services to mental health because she gained a master's degree in mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And since then, she's written several books on the subject. She has direct experience of mental health issues and her writing is easily relatable. But it was her sense of humour and her self deprecation that shines through in the book that really reflects the title, How to Be Human So Well. In fact, I loved it so much, I went to see her tour this year where she explored the themes of the book with her two contributors, a Buddhist monk and a neuroscientist, and that was
3: great.
2: Hi, it's Ronan Keating here from Magic Breakfast. And my favourite book that I've read this year is All the Lights We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. It's a gorgeous book, a real page-turner, and a very emotional read. And the best book I've ever received was um, probably the manual from me, me Land Rover Defender. I just loved it.
7: Hi, it's Harriet Scott from Magic Breakfast here. The best book I've read this year was actually a recommendation from the lovely Tom Price. Jane Harper, The Dry. I loved it. It is... It's a real whodunit. It's very atmospheric. It's not the nicest of subject matters, but that's what makes you care. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, brilliant writing, excellent characters. I loved it so much. I then went on to read another one of her books called The Lost Man, which I also loved. Um, I think a lot of her books, maybe all of them, I don't know, I haven't read all of them, are set in Australia, in the Australian Outback. In fact, for Christmas, I'd like another one of her books, please.
1: I think my book of the year, I really can't choose one. It's too hard. Sarah Moss's Ghost Wall is incredible. It's very quick to read as well. Also Elizabeth McNeil The Dole Factory um, It's a sort of Gothic tale Set in Victorian London But better than that sounds Honestly Elizabeth McNeil Writes beautifully It's such a fantastic novel I cannot recommend it enough A really good read Over Christmas And a fabulous Christmas present as well But my book of the year Has to be A wonderful return To the much loved I think he's becoming A national institution David Nichols uh, Who wrote Sweet Sorrow uh, About the experience Of being a teenager In the 90s So it was Very resonant for me, but full of lots of human truths. It wasn't just for uh, teenagers from the 90s like myself. It's a brilliant, funny, insightful... Uh, moving story about a boy whose family's breaking up around him. He's leaving school, a really difficult time to cope with loss and trying to connect with people when you're a sort of repressed teenager. It's really interesting, and he is a magnificent writer. And I loved meeting him. It was such a thrill to meet him, such a lovely man. What drew you back to the 90s, first of all? Let's start with that. Why did you want to go back to that decade?
8: Well, I'm not as uh, – I mean, my 90s was very different from your 90s because I'm so much older. <laughs> I was I was 16 in uh, 1983. I think yeah 1983 Mm -hmm. and Charlie the main character is 16 and I suppose I wanted to avoid writing my own childhood my own adolescence really I wanted to get away from that I'd done a bit of that in my first book Start for 10 and I wanted to write a different world a different time I also wanted to write about someone looking back at their, their 16th year and I didn't want it to be a 52-year-old. It needed to be someone who was at a different stage of their life. So the book is narrated by a 38-year-old looking back at his sixty. year. I mean, that's literally how old I am.
1: And it's, I mean, obviously, you know, and, and the experience of any teenager in any decade, there's going to be a lot of consistency, you know, a lot of similarities and all that sort of
8: time. Yes, I mean, I worried about it a bit because, you know, I was um, my experience of 97 was very different and you want to make sure that you get things right. Um but you also have to hang on to the idea that the kind of awkwardness and the humiliation and the intensity and the passion and the, the 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 craziness of being that age are constant. You know, even now in the internet age, that you're still going to have those feelings and those frustrations and those feuds and those crushes, and that that, that will always be the case.
5: My best story, I think, about giving a book as a Christmas present and the response was my son... And he got the book, The Tiger Who Came to Tea by Judith Kerr as a Christmas present from my parents, his grandparents, a couple of years ago. And he's just been the most incredible fan ever since. We actually went to see the play in Ilkley. They were doing a stage version of it and we went along to see it. And it's so funny as a parent, I think as well, when you know the words so well, especially the opening. Once there was a little girl called Sophie and she was having tea with her mummy in the kitchen. Suddenly there was a ring at the door. And I mean, pretty much the whole book I now know off by heart, especially that opening line. And there's a certain part of the book that he always really loved, which is when Sophie's mummy said, would you like a sandwich? But the tiger didn't just take one sandwich. He took all the sandwiches on the plate and swallowed them in one big mouthful. And then we both do that big (laughs) sort of oop together, which is lovely. So he's a big fan. And we managed to pick up a tiger cutout, which is the exact drawing that's on the front of the book. And it's a big cutout that is now placed very nicely into his bedroom as a reminder. So, yes, a big fan of the tiger who came to tea. And I also especially love the fact that this is a book that was first published in 1968 and still resonates with children just as much in 2019. I think it's going to be a book that's going to live forever and I just need to find something that's going to create that kind of feeling with him again for this year.
3: I love getting books for Christmas. I absolutely love it. I've, I mean, I have a pile of books next to my bed, uh, constantly sort of rotating, trying to get through them all, um, and and I, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, last Christmas, I got the Michelle Obama book, Becoming, uh, which has been a little bit of a sort of personal personal uh, guidebook for me. One of those sort of mantras that I go back to again and again and again. Um, and that was given to me my my friend Amanda, and it was. It's it you know is those one of those books. It's almost like a really a huge hit movie that you naturally shy away from because you don't you don't want to be disappointed. And I'd sort of not I'd resisted reading it for quite a while and because I, I knew that I, I wanted to love it and I was frightened that I might not. And actually it was it was just such an eye opener from start to finish. And what an incredible woman. Um, and and actually, what it's what it really is is a book, which is so nice. Is the is that so many other women friends of mine have read it, um, and it really brings you together. It kind of really bonds you together to kind of say, oh my god, do you remember that bit when she just went to college, or or the first few weeks in the White House, or uh, you know. And it's a really it's a really bonding book that you can get to chat to with your girlfriends and just, just have this sort of this unanimous admiration of this incredible woman um, and i would recommend it to anybody who hasn't who hasn't tried it yet michelle obama's uh, becoming was was a was a brilliant christmas present for last year so 2018 <laughs> I love giving books at
7: Christmas time I love going into bookshops at Christmas time um, I think you can't go wrong with a bit of inspirational stuff like the very brilliant Brene Brown um, I was given a copy of Daring greatly recently by a lovely friend and this Christmas I'm going to share the love and give that to my friends
6: so this year I plan to spend as much time as possible reading I love both fiction and non-fiction and find reading a good book just before you go to sleep is probably one of my most favorite things in the world and is the perfect end to day.
1: whatever you're reading this christmas from all of us at the magic book club we wish you a very merry christmas happy new year